0: Welcome to the Limitless Church podcast. Today, you'll be hearing from Leslie White as she brings the message titled "Everlasting Faith." We hope you enjoy. You may be seated if you if you can, and um, I'm just so, uh, whew. I'm so like drunk right now <laughs> yeah, but anyway um, in the spirit, be full of the Holy Spirit um, is what the Bible says and um, I'm excited today because um, excited, but I'm also a little <laughs> um, I'm about to make the devil mad, see. And uh, when you do that, you you better be ready. And how do we fight those battles? In praise. And that's one thing that um, I have been so diligent to cultivate in my life. Because I knew it was going to be needed for the sake of the call. I'm trying not to get emotional. Um, So um, yeah, last week I wasn't here. I was not sick, and some very lovely friends, you know, are you okay? I'm like, I'm perfect. I'm right where God has me, because sometimes we can go through tradition, and we can go through routine, and we can come to church, because it's the thing you're supposed to do. Well, um, just fighting some very spiritual battles, and, We cannot fight them on the battlefield. We can't. And so what God has been teaching me is about going to his courtroom and getting justice because he's the God of justice, and he rules and reigns on Zion. And everything, this is like not in my notes, so Holy Spirit, you're just taking over right now. (laughs) That's how it goes. Um... But everything that we see in the natural has, ma- has actually began in the spirit realm, and then it manifests itself here on earth. So when we go through a court system, we're looking for justice. And even in the spirit, there's a courtroom because the devil, our adversary, he goes before God and he accuses us. But what we have to make sure is like Jesus. Jesus said, the devil has nothing in me. And so we can have that freedom. We can have that assurance that the devil has nothing in me. And how do we do that? We go before the courtroom, the holy courtroom of heaven, and we make our petition before the Father. But what we have to do is repent for fear, doubt, and unbelief. We have to repent first. Because when we walk into a courtroom, we have to have clean hands and a pure heart before God, before Jesus can say, okay, this is mine, and you can't touch her. So we have to be so careful to keep very short accounts with God. We as soon as the Holy Spirit convicts us, what we do is, Father, forgive me, that was wrong. And if you have to go to a person, you leave that sacrifice, and you better go to that person because God says, I don't hear you unless you take care of that. And so um, or He, he hears you, but He's like, sorry, you gotta take care of this business first. So um, um so we have to make sure that when we come before in the courtroom, see, in in Daniel 10, Daniel saw a vision. And this is how I know because Daniel saw a vision, and what he saw was a heavenly host. And God walks in, and it says that the heavenly hosts were seated and the books were opened because he's Satan. He's looking for things to accuse us of. And that's what keeps us bound, that's what keeps us from getting to the next level or that thing that we're constantly battling. That's what keeps us battling is because we don't go before the courtroom and say, Father, I repent of this. I repent for fear. This is I'm acting this way because of fear. I'm not believing your word, and I'm living in doubt because the book of James says, if you ask for something and you doubt, don't expect that the Lord is going to answer that prayer because you're, like, you're double-sided. You're double-minded. You are You can't live... Uh, you you can you got to pick one side or the other you can't live straddling the line god's like you if you're asking me just believe it you know and that's one thing that um people have a gift of faith and that's the gift that god has grant- given me i just i have for faith i have faith for anything. Like, you can talk to friends of mine, and when they try to come, you know, when they try to, you know, come at me with, oh, I've got this. I'm like, but God can turn that around. Oh, you don't know what he can do. And, you know, I've just always had that faith in raising my children. They would get sick, and I would say, God, God, heal that, take care of that fever. You said in your word that you heal heal all our diseases. You heal all our sicknesses. And as my kids began to grow, the first thing they would do is, I wouldn't have to do it anymore. They, I would Miranda got sick one time. She was three, four years old, running a fever and throwing up and whatever. And she's like, Mommy, you know, pray. And so we're praying and, and whatever. And, you know, God, take this fever. We're doing that. We're, you know. So she starts feeling sick. And she, run, she gets up and runs to the bathroom. And I knew it was about to happen. So I'm trailing behind her. And as I walk in the bathroom, my four-year-old is, you know, throwing up. But in the middle of breaths, she's saying, She's like, "Get off of me, Satan!" Jesus, you are my healer. You know, you have no, you know, you have no authority here. You know, so she she just began. She began prophesying. She began speaking in the midst of the sickness. Now, how many times when we're in the midst of the sickness, we're like, "Oh, I can't take this." Oh, I, oh, I gotta call it. I gotta take. I gotta. She's in the middle of that, every breath, and I'm just sitting there like, yes, God, yeah, (laughs) you know, like out of the mouths of babes, and she got done, we cleaned her up, we got in the living room, and I checked her temperature, it was gone, she got, she played the rest of the day, and she never got sick another time, and it's hard, but we cultivate that, you know, our first response, not reaction, our first response should be, go to the master, go to the king, um, but anyway, that's just, that was on my heart to share real quick. And um, anyway, I, I do have a word I want to bring to you today uh, of encouragement. Oh, but anyway, let me finish my story about last week. So I woke up and I really felt like I, ha- I had some spiritual stuff going on. And I said, you know, I feel like I'm not going to be productive in the body of Christ this morning. And I really feel like the Lord is calling me to stay home. I just need to get before Him. I need peace. I need. I need reassurance. I need to kick some intimidation butt, and I just really need to get before him, and that's what I did, and man, God spoke so loudly, like, you know, I was like, man, I felt like I was in church, but it was just me and God, you know, and he was preaching to me, and but it was, it was really freeing, and a bunch of stuff broke off of me, and then Wednesday afternoon, I'm at work going through my day, and God surprised me, and I got a text from um, Michelle, and, uh. She was like the pastor wants to know if you would like to preach if you could preach on Sunday and I was like he does like he does he really what <laughs> like I'm not on staff <laughs> you know, like <laughs> what are you talking about and so she she I think she kind of knew like I would probably be blown away so like, she texts that, and then real quick, back text. Just think about it. Just think about it. I know you're freaking out, but just think about it. And so I'm standing at my desk, and I'm like, uh, what, you know. So all day long, I'm walking the halls, and God was just um, encouraging me. And he's like, remember, remember on Sunday when you were battling some stuff? And I remember all those words I spoke to you about doors, about when the door is open, the door of opportunity is open, you better go through it because that is me. And so I was like, oh, this is a door. Oh, man, but can I do this, God? And he's like, what are you talking about? For five years you've been in this cave and you've marinated in my presence. And now the glory is ready to flow. So here am I. Here am I. Ah. (laughs) So I want to encourage you today um, with a word from Colossians 2. Chapter 1, verses 9 through 12, and I, I called, the, team, I called uh, the sound team, and I was like, hey, guys, do we have, you know, PowerPoint for Scripture, you know? Oh, New King James and King James, and I'm like, yeah, I can't read that. So <laughs> I know Pastor Scotty and, and Pastor Kevin, they preach from New King James and King James, but um, I'm very much a words person. And real quick, before I go any further, I just, I really feel like the Lord is calling me to, to just um, stop for a minute. So, um, Holy Spirit, yeah, you're so good. and God, you're so good, and your mercy endures forever and through all generations. Yeah. And God, I just, I, I want to ask you this morning, help me to convey your word and truth. Help me to um, release the Holy Spirit in power. And um, just uh, give me a grace, God, to um, clearly, God, just clearly um, show your love and and your compassion, God, and just truth that sets us free, God, and helps us to get to another level because you've already told me you're going to have a new normal, and I'm so excited about that. I'm so excited for what you're doing here at Limitless and the new normal. So, um, Holy Spirit, have your way. Open ears, God. Let us hear Your word. Um, open our eyes to let us actually see heaven come. Um, in Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen. So, Colossians chapter one, verses nine through twelve. I want to read it out of two translations because, like I said, I'm a very, I'm very much a words person, and um, I work in a local elementary school where we live, and I get to. Um, take care of 5 year olds all day <laughs> and it keeps me on my toes it keeps me uh, moving and they're so precious and every morning it's so funny god speaks to me when i'm at work like he he's so clear to me at work and i think it's because i'm around little children because such is the kingdom of god unless we become as little children so i learn a lot from them because i'm like they're teaching me how to be in the kingdom they're teaching me the ways of the kingdom you know and so every morning before we start class Um, And the kids have the classroom rules memorized. So every day before class, um, the kids stand up and the teacher says, okay, class, let's go over our classroom rules. And so God showed me one day when they were, you know, I was like, oh, they're so cute. They know the classroom rules and they're doing it by heart, you know, and they're saying the rules. And God says, listen, listen to them. I'm speaking through these classroom rules because you're in a classroom. In my classroom, the Holy Spirit classroom, and I need you to listen to these rules. And the rules are, we raise our hands to speak. God says you better lift them hands and praise me every day. You better give me glory. When you raise your hands, you better speak to me. (laughs) Yes, we raise our hands to speak. We listen when someone is speaking. That's how they say it. Okay, God, he's saying, shh. Now, shh. You did your praise. Now, shh. I got to tell you something, we listen when someone is speaking, we're kind and caring. We are kind and caring to our friends. God's like, I need you to be kind and caring because there are people in this world that don't even know what it means to be around people who are kind and caring. And I'm like, oh. And then the last one is, um, and see, we raise our hands and speak. We listen when someone is speaking. We are kind and caring. We work hard. That's the last one. And they're so cute when they say it because they say it the same way every time. So this is how it goes. We raise our hands to speak. We listen. They do the, sound, they do the motions. We listen when someone is speaking. We are kind and caring to our friends. We work hard. That's what they We work hard. And God is saying. And so when they, when they were doing that the other day, God says, those are my rules. Those are my classroom rules. And you get to hear them every day. And I'm like, ooh, what a reminder. What a reminder. Um, so, anyway, um, that's just a little bit about my life at school. Um, but in Colossians, okay, so focus of faith. A focus of faith is what I want to talk to you about tonight, today. And from Colossians chapter 1, nine through 9-12, in the, in the um, New International Version, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. That is in the New International. I want to read from the Passion, this verse in the Passion. Since we first heard about you, we've kept you always in our prayers that you would receive the perfect knowledge of God's pleasure over your lives. Making you reservoirs of every kind of wisdom and spiritual understanding. We pray that you would walk in the ways of true righteousness, pleasing God in every good thing you do. You'll become the fruit-bearing branches, yielding to his life and maturing in rich experience of knowing God in his fullness. And we pray that you would be energized with all his explosive power from the realm of his magnificent glory, filling you with great hope. Your hearts can soar with joyful gratitude when you think of how God made you worthy to receive the glorious inheritance freely given to us by living in the light, that is powerful, right there. And let me tell you, I come with a warning label that says "flammable TNT explosive material. Handle with care." And David can attest to that. <laughs> I come with that warning label. Um, but the word endurance, okay? Like I said, I'm a words person. I'll, uh, this word endurance, I looked it up in Google. Google has Google. Google has a little bit of yeah. So. The word endurance. The first, the first definition they have is the fact or power of enduring an unpleasant or difficult process or situation without giving way. That's good, but it gets better. The second, the second um, definition says the capacity of something to last or to withstand wear and tear. The capacity of something to last or withstand wear and tear, withstand wear and tear. You're not going to show any signs of wear and tear. You endure this journey. You endure it. You press through. And it even says through the unpleasant or difficult process without giving way. Okay? Let me give you some synonyms for endurance. Ability. Courage. Courage fortitude, grit, patience, stamina, strength, tenacity, vitality, backbone, resolution, restraint, continuing, enduring. And God is raising up a church that is victorious, and she is running with enduring faith that will withstand all the difficulties that are coming at us. And that, but they 're going to do it we 're going to do it in victory we're going to do it through victory we're not going to let it beat us down. We are not going to let us let it stop us from what God has called us to do because of those verses right there, because of the endurance. God says that He is bringing His people to a place where He is calling you to come up higher, to live above your circumstances, stop living on the defensive where you're looking for the next thing that's coming at you in life. Oh, I I conquered that thing. Oh, God. Okay, get up. Okay, what's the next thing coming? We're not going to have to do that anymore. We're not living on the defensive anymore. We're going to, in this era, we're going to step into the offensive and say, bring it on because guess what? You're coming down. You're getting under my feet. I'm not going to have to dodge and move and wear myself out trying to, you know, battle these issues coming at me. No, we see it coming and we say, that's where you are. We stand our ground. We get that backbone. We have that tenacity. And we say, no, I'm pressing through this. And I'm going, to keep, I'm going to walk straight. I ain't going to go like this. I'm walking straight. And when that thing comes at me, it's under my feet already. Like it's going to be bowing before it even gets to us because they're like, she ain't shrinking. She ain't shrinking back, you know. And so that's where God is taking us in this era. He is raising up a victorious bride that isn't looking for the things coming at her. But it is an army that is taking ground, and anything that gets in the way will be trampled. So watch out. Um, I want to uh, tell you also, in the book of Revelation, there are some benefits to enduring and being an overcomer. And um, in the, I'm just going to go through them real quick. Um, Revelation 2.7, it says that... Um, for those who overcome. Okay, so this is the book of Revelation. This is what John is seeing. I got to put my eyes on here a minute when I read. This is what our brother John saw in the book of Revelation and what Jesus was or what God was saying to John. So, to those who overcome, I will grant to eat of the tree the fruit of the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. So, guess what? When we overcome, we get to eat from the tree of life. We never die. We never wear out. We never give way. We've got life. The next thing in 2.11, um, Revelation 2.11, that first one was 2.7 in case you're wanting to write these down. Revelation 2.7 was the first one. Um, Revelation 2.11 says, he who is able to hear, let him listen and heed what the Spirit says to the assemblies. He who overcomes shall in no way be injured by the second death. We have protection. We have protection there. We are not injured. The second death, we're not, it's not going to harm us. We've got protection. When we overcome, Jesus says, uh, Revelation 2.17 says, I will give to eat of the manna that is hidden. Man, I want that manna. I want that hidden manna. And I will give him a white stone with a new name engraved on the stone, which no one knows or understands except he who receives it. You're going to get a new name, and only you and God are going to know what that name is about. You hear that? I can't see. These are reading. He is going to give you a new name that only you and him will understand. God's going to know what you've been through. He's going to know what you've withstood. And the name that he gives you, you're going to understand. I know why he gave me that name. And nobody else is going to know why. Yeah. All right. So, Revelation 2, 26 through 29 says that... He who overcomes, I will give him authority and power over the nations. And he will rule them with a scepter rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces. And his power over them shall be like that which I myself have received from my Father. And I will give him the morning star. He's talking about you. Talking about you. So you're going to have authority over the nations. You're going to have authority over the nations, and you're going to rule with authority and power. Mm. We need that right now. We need that right now in our country. We need a power and authority that stands up against what's happening. And, and, yeah. Uh, Revelation 3, 5 through 6 says, um, um, Thus shall he who overcomes be clad means he's going to put on white garments, and I will not erase or blot out his name from the book of life. I will acknowledge him as mine, and I will confess his name openly before my Father and before his angels. You are going to have a new garment. These filthy rags ain't going to be on you no more. You're going to have that white garment. You're going to have a name that is burnt into the book of life to never be erased, and you are going to be acknowledged before God and his angels. Jesus is going to say, this one was mine. Look what he did for me, God. Look at the love he showed. He put on, he put on my garment. He put on the garment of praise and walked this earth and released the glory my glory, and my love. Look at her. Look at my daughter. Look at everything that came at her, but she still withstood. She overcame, and now I get to acknowledge her in front of my father and his angels. I mean, we're not in this for acknowledgment. I know I'm not because I know my weaknesses, and I know the things that I've been through. But, man, to know that that one day Jesus is going to stand before God and the angels and say, she was mine. Oh, man, I want to hear that. I want to hear that. That's that's powerful. Hmm. Um, okay, Revelation um three, twelve through thirteen. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the sanctuary of my God. He shall never be put out of it or go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which descends from my God out of heaven and my own new name. So right there, you're going to be a pillar in the house of God. You're going to be, I mean, that's what holds up the sanctuary. You're going to be a pillar, a strong pillar in the house of God. And then the last one, Revelation 3.20, and. 20-21. through 21. Um, It says, He who overcomes, I will grant him to sit beside me on my throne. And I myself overcame and sat down beside my Father on my throne. Jesus said, just as I overcame and now I'm seated next to my Father, when you overcome you're going to be seated next to me. There's no contest. And so we're going to have that place next to Christ because we, we honored His name. So you're saying... Uh, yeah, that all sounds good. How do I get there? How do I do this? Because man, I've got darts coming at me every way, every which way. And, and let me tell you, this old girl, whew, man, the darts. Whew. So we we've all had to have some endurance. Um, it it does it it comes at a cost. But how do we get here for this next season? Because 2020, God's already. What are we in March already today? March first. We're getting, okay, so we're getting our marching orders. Ooh, God just said you're getting marching orders in March. Okay, Jesus, get, get ready for your marching orders. Put on them combat boots because we're going to be kicking devil tail. Um, anyway, how do we get there for this next era? We have to build our faith muscles. And I'm going to tell you what God showed me. So God was like, I need, I need you to start doing a little bit of work. Okay. And I'm like, dang, God, I work. Like, when I go to work, I work. I, my feet kill me by the time I come home. But he showed me, he showed me this about a year ago. He showed me in the spirit this bodybuilder, muscles, man, just big muscles and stuff like that. I'm like, God, why are you showing me that? Like, I don't even like big muscle guys. Like, that's gross. Like, some of the muscles, big muscles, you know, the real big ones, like, ugh. He said, no, that's what I want you to look like in the spirit. That's what you're going to look like by the time I'm done with you. That's what you're going to look like. Er, Honor Schwarzenegger, you know. He, he said, no, that's what I want you to look like in the spirit. And I said, oh, man. He said, and how you do that is, when, is, is building faith muscles, building that faith. And so God said, I want you to start working out. And I was like, God, I tried did that Planet Fitness thing last year, and I didn't stick with it. David, would, David bailed out on me a few times, and I don't want to go by myself. My feet hurt. I don't want to walk that treadmill. I've been walking all day. And then I'm in there trying to do weights, and this real skinny, pretty 20-year-old walks in. And I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to do this. I, this is, no, I am not seeing any benefits of this. I don't want to do that no more. So, so I quit and started getting my money back. So I quit you know, <sighs> but God started putting it on my heart again, and I was like, God, I need somebody, okay, I didn't know what I was doing, I'm like, am I really doing this machine right, is this enough weight on here, you know, and then, the, you know, I'd see this bodybuilder guy come up, and he's sweating, and going. I'm like, why am I sweating, why am I not pushing so hard, like, what? well, I need a, some more resistance or something, I don't know what I'm doing, you know, and so, um, anyway, I, I started thinking about, well, there's a uh, a fitness club in Elizabeth City, where where we live, you know, and so I knew they had a Facebook page. So I was looking. They do this little thing every year. They do it a couple times a year, and it's called the Little Black Dress Project. Well, I'm going to be the project for the Little Black Dress, and so I I signed up for it. You know, my girlfriend was like, "Hey, if we both signed," I was it was kind of kicking it around, and it was weird because my girlfriend come up to me at school and she said, "I want to work out. You know that club down there that does the Little Black Dress?" I was like. Yeah, you want to do it? She's like, yeah, they do have an offer if you join with a friend. I said, girl, let's do it. Because God told me I needed to do it for some reason. She's like, oh, you're doing that God thing again? Okay. So, um, So anyway, so she took care of it. She said, I'll take care of it. I'll get all the information. So she sends me the information, guys, and no lie. So I'm going over, going over. So I didn't realize it, but the name of this place is called No Limit Fitness. No limit fitness. Limitless? Really? (laughs) Okay, now I know that's you, God. Now I know that's you, right? So, and God was like, and the reason I want you to do this, it's not just to get in shape and be, you know, look nice and be, you know, you know, whatever. He said, it's because I want to teach you resistance training. I want to teach you endurance. I want to teach you how to resist train. He said, not just in the natural, but in the physical. Okay, and he said, for this next season, you've got to have some stamina. Cause look, we are right here from the finish line, y'all. We are right here. We cannot stop. We can't drop the baton. We can't say, I'm too tired. I can't, you know, we can't crawl across the line. We are victorious. We're gonna run across the line, right? Because we're right here at the end. And so God's like, for this next season, I mean, I'm 53. I'm not ashamed, y'all, because my, my little babies think I'm 25. I'm not ashamed to be 53. And when they say, Miss White, how old are you? How old do you think I am? 25? You are right. Yes, I am, sugar. You are so sweet. And my teacher's looking at me going, You lying? You lying. So, but when Miranda was in school, she would go around and tell everybody, my mom's 45. My mom's like, Shh. That was back when she was in school a while ago. Yeah, she did. But um, anyway, so God's like, look, for this next, look, you done been here 50-some 50 years, 53, whatever. He said, you may have 50, you may not. He's like, but for this last haul, I've got to have you with some, you've got to have the stamina. You've got to have endurance. You've got to be able to give it your all at this point because there's not much time coming. We can We can tell that just by watching the news, which I don't do. But anyway, No Limit Fitness is gonna get me in shape, and this guy—they were like, "This guy will work you," and I'm like, "Oh man, can my heart take this? I'm 50. Can my heart? Am I? You know?" And so God's like, "Just do it," because with all that's coming in this last—the last, last days—it's not all doom and gloom. I don't—I don't want to, you know, seem like that. But we know that the 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 enemy, the devil, he's he's mad. Like I said tonight today, he's getting mad because for a lot of years he tried to say. Psh, you're, you're, not gonna, you're not gonna help the body of Christ. What are you doing? What are you, look, at, look where you've been. Look what you've been. How are you gonna help the body? Watch me, okay? So, anyway, because with all that's coming against us, we can do one of two things. We can either run in the opposite direction because it gets too hard. This is how many times have I thought that in my life? I have, I, even on, the, on this Christian journey. We get tired. We get tired of fighting, you know, with the children and their, what the choices they're making. We get tired when the husband don't do what we think they should be doing. I get tired when the bills get tight and we barely make it through the month. And I was want to give to this mission trip. And I get tired of people at work telling me this God thing ain't real. What are you doing? You're weird. And you get left out because they don't understand what you're about. You get tired and you say, you know what, God, you know, I was miserable living in the world, but at least I, you know, was doing what I thought I was having fun. But, you know, I wasn't at all. How many times have I thought that? Like, oh, man, I just want to give up sometimes. And then God will send that word. He'll send a friend to come and speak a word into your life. They'll, you know, he'll send a word in the Bible. Something will come in your mind like, oh, I remember reading in my Bible that I'm more than a conqueror, you know. So he will at the right time send that. Or the other thing you can do is stand your ground. There are those of us who for many years have stood our ground, many. I've been in the church a long time, and it's, we're, get, we're just now getting better. We're just, the bride is, the bride, okay, look, the bride's waking up. She quit hitting the snooze button. That's what we've been doing a long time. We've been hitting the snooze button. I want to go back to sleep. This is too hard, Right? Well, she doesn't turn the alarm clock off. She's getting up. It's time to get up. Wake up. Wake up. But anyway, so we've been battling a long time. Discouragement comes. It takes over. But God's saying, what I'm trying to do is to train you to live by faith and not by sight, not by what you re- see. Because in the book of Luke 18.8, Jesus is telling us the story about a widow and she's, fight, she's fighting against, she's going to the unjust judge. She needs a judgment. Okay, so even Jesus talks about the courtrooms. So she's going to this unjust judge, and she needs vindication. And she's not getting it. And she keeps going back, and she keeps going back. And this little old lady is not stopping. She says, I need some vindication. And Luke 18.8 says in that same, when Jesus is still telling us that story about her, She finally gets her vindication. It says, God will give swift justice to those who do not give up. And that when the Son of Man comes, is he going to find faith? In Luke 18 8, when I, the Son of Man, come, am I going to find faith in the earth? Faith in what? Not faith in your job. Not faith in the people around you and your husband and your wife. Not faith in your kids. Not faith in your finances. Not faith in your car. Not faith in your health. Not faith in your house. you got to have everything just so. That's not the kind of faith he's talking about. He's talking about faith in the Son of God. Faith that He will bring you through whatever you're going through. Faith that He will deliver you when you reach that Red Sea. He's going to part it. When when you tell that mountain to move, He's going to move it. That's the faith he's looking at because that's the faith that people who don't know Christ need they need you to walk up to them and say how long has your foot been in that in that brace there you know I know how that how you can get that fixed I know where that where you can get your healing oh what doctor oh honey let me tell you his name is Jesus and he'll do it right now and people are healed people are healed that's the kind of faith Jesus is talking about in the process of resistance training, you're going to find a strength in spiritual muscles that you never knew you had. So I am. So this starts this week sometime, and God's like, you're going to feel muscles you never thought you had. He didn't even know you had a muscle in your little toe, but you're going to feel one. And I'm like, oh, man. So we, in, in this process of resistance, that's why, um, you know, we go through it is, is to uh, be able to stand in who we are in him. We have to know that we are able to stand in who we are in him. Because apart from him, I can do nothing. This is this right here is only made possible to you today is through him. Through him. It's nothing that I've done. I've not been through seminary. I have not. It's just in a place of being in in just hidden away, hidden away with him. We need to know what it means to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. It's that time. We need to know how to strengthen ourselves in the Lord because people around you aren't going to always do it. Uh, People you work with aren't always going to do it. And we need to be able to know that God is our anchor. And we need to do this because we need to be able to carry what's coming in this next season. We really do. We really, God's bringing them in, and we need to know how to meet, we need to know how to love them. We need to know how to love them. We need to know how to speak a word of truth in their life. We need to know how to be tender with people who have been burnt so much that the scars are so real and they think that the scars will never go away. But we need to be able to stand in that. He is wanting to build your faith and strengthen you and rewire some things that, some wrong thinking that you've had. Because the Word says not to be transformed, I mean, not to be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, we've been homeschooled in the wrong home. We've been homeschooled in the wrong home. I'm not just talking about your family home. I'm talking about this world. We've been accustomed to what the world is doing, and we learn, we're learning, we learn patterns from them, and God is like, I need you to look at my home school. And so he wants to rewire our thinking for what, for what um, he wants to do. He's wanting to prepare us for the long haul, really. He really does. Part of the endurance training is for the maturing of your faith that will mark a church as unstoppable, which is what Limitless is, our name Limitless. He wants to mature us into the body of Christ, united as one, building each other up in the most holy faith, right? Supporting one another, encouraging one another. He wants to do that because he wants to mark us as the church that's unstoppable. When people walk through this door, they're not going to have to wait for worship to start to feel the presence drop in. They're going to feel it on the parking lot. They're going to feel it on Independence Parkway when they turn in. They're going to know, like, i got to get there. And I think the Lord has brought a lot of people here just in that experience like I heard about that church or I just feel like I need to go here today I mean so I hear so many testimonies of people of how they got here even the way we ended up here was a God thing we were just minding our business and there we got the call and I'm like what never heard of this place don't know these people oh my gosh you know um, so it's you know he's, he's going to drop some things in your lap and you better be able to better be ready to run with them um, we have to realize that we are not defined by our circumstances or by even what the world says, and that we have to be determined that we're not going to shrink back no matter what comes at us um, because of fear, uh, because I'm not good enough, because, um, I, you know, I'm just not worthy. Forget that stinking and false humility. You have got the living God inside of you. Now step up and use it. That's what he's saying. Step up and use it. I put the power there for a reason, because how else is he going to get that? How else is he going to release it in the world unless he uses us? Um, But anyway, we we need to, intimidation is what I was fighting last week. And God clearly shut the door on that and said, okay, I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you how you've overcome this. And then that's why I got that call on Wednesday, because God's like, okay, the intimidation is gone now. Now this is the door. So we need to be willing to say that I'm going to stand in who I am in Christ because I know who he is and I know who I am, and I'm actually living in a reality that is not of the natural realm. We can live in the supernatural. As a matter of fact, the way I think about it, and I think I might have heard it from Bill Johnson, um, this is really uh, like supernatural is really not super. Like we were created to, to live, like, he said something like that. And I don't remember how he said it, but it made sense when he said it to me. He's like, you know, we're always saying, oh, I want to live in the supernatural. I want to live in the—and he's like, it really, it really isn't super. This is how we were meant to live. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This is how we were meant to live. But we call it supernatural because we're so used to living in the natural that we got to call it supernatural so that I'm not living in the—you know what I'm saying? You know I'm talking about so we were created naturally by God but because we lost it now we call it supernatural but we're supposed to be flowing in that all the time Jesus did what Jesus did right we do that Um, Ephesians 2 6 says that we are seated in heavenly places so we can live from that seat And not from the earth. We're being invited to govern with God. And what does it look like to walk in that authority? And how does that impact my family, my city, and my nation? Okay? Seated in heavenly places. I remember a time when David and I, we had, the girls were little, two small kids, and he was working a job. Work, he's an electrician, so he was working this job, working his tail off. I mean, coming home exhausted every night, working overtime. Uh, he was a foreman and, you know, leading jobs, and, you know, it, he would come home stressed every night. And um, I just remember he would come home from work, and he would he wouldn't even eat. He'd go straight to bed, and all night long he'd twitch and and turn and because he and I'm like, why are you twitching? He's like, I'm working in my sleep. He's like, I'm working. I'm I'm wired up stuff, and I'm I'm climbing ladders, and, and I'm like, good God, because you are moving in the bed. I can't even sleep, and um, it was a really trying time, and um, he he would he would come out. He'd be like, man, if I could get on with the city, man, them guys like you know, they don't, he's like, they don't work as hard, you know, (laughs) they screwing in a light bulb every now and then, you know, he's like, you know, he, he would see these guys in the, um, where he used to go buy supplies, and so the city workers would come in, they'd be all like, hey man, you know, and they're standing around, he's like, I'm in there getting stuff, and they're just in there standing around, in their little city Norfolk shirts, you know, and so, um, he was going up to the altar every week. I mean, he was like, God's got to do something. I said, yes, he does, because I did not marry a man to come home and go to bed every night. I got, we got kids. We got things we got to do. You cannot be doing this to me. So, anyway, we took to, like, God, we need a breakthrough. We need something to happen, and, and we know you're going to do it, and we know it's going to be in your time, and we know it's going to be right, and we know it's not going to be anything what we thought. So he's, he's um, really going through this. He started having chest pains. He had to go to the emergency room a few times. He was, it was just weighing on him physically. It was bad. And so um, anyway, he went to the supply house one day, and he comes home, and he kind of has this little bit of hope on his face. And I'm like, hey, what's up? He's like, I was at the supply house today, and they're hiring, they're hiring an electrician for the city, and the guys were saying, dude, you should go apply for it. I said yes. Go for it. Go for it. You know, so he goes and applies for the job, and um, he comes home and he's like, "Yeah, I don't know how long. You know, whatever." So he applied. He, actually, it was at the last minute because I weren't. They like, "Well, you got to get your application in by tomorrow." And he's like, "Oh my gosh!" So he had to take the day off work, which he didn't get paid to do that. I said, "Take the day off. Go do it." So he went and did that. He turned his application in. A little while later, they doing interviews. And so he goes to the interview. He's real excited about it. He's like, man, I need this. This would be a great job, God. Man, this would be so awesome. Like, it just would take a lot of stress off me and my family. And it would give me, you know, retirement. There's so many benefits that come with working there. And so just pouring our heart out to God. So he goes to the interview, and he comes home. And he's like, like, oh, my God, what? Like, he's like, man, he's like, it really would be a good job, he said, but we're not going to be able to afford it. He said, I'd have, I would be making $5,000 less a year. And we were barely putting groceries on the table then because I had quit my job to stay home with my kids, you know. Uh, God was blessing. He was providing. But, you know, we had money for what we need. But, you know, you, you, you have kids. You want to put a little aside. So he's like, we can't do it. He said, we, we're, you know, we're barely making it now. And, and I was like, sucker you are getting that job i don't care we will, we'll find a way to cut i mean we we'll, you know we had already cut everything we could i mean like i could skip a meal you, you know we could we you know we could do something you know like you're getting that job you know so anyway he's like i just don't know how we would make it so i said call your dad call your dad so he calls his dad, and he said, son, take that job. He said, you know we will be here to help you guys. Don't let, don't let fear, don't let all that, you know, keep you from what God's called you to. And just, just do it. You're going you're gonna to make it. God's provided. He just encouraged him, encouraged him. And so, you know, David gets off the phone, and he's crying. He's like, I got to take that job. I got, I, you know, and so I'm like, well, we just got to wait for them to call. <laughs> you know, like, we got to wait for the call. Okay, you're laughing, but 10 minutes later, we got the call because <laughs> they told him, oh, it might be a couple weeks. We got more people to, to you know, we, got, we have more interviews to do. Honey, as soon as he got off the phone with his daddy and we talked about it, I said, well, there you go. You got your answer. It, it got, you're going to walk through this door, and we're going to do it in peace. We're going to do it in joy. But the phone rang. He gets off the phone. He said, they want me to take that job. They didn't even finish the interviews. I said, that is God. That's God. That's God. So, you know, we've endured times, We've you know, we've endured that. We've had, um, you know, our oldest daughter, she was very fearful, and um, she dealt, she battled fear, man, and I know why, because God had such a big calling on her life. And she battled fear, you know, and she's, she's, we would have to read scripture and pray over her every night. She would cry about going to school and she was so, she's like, mom, I'm afraid something's going to happen to you when you're not with me. And and I'm like, you know, we, man, it, it was a trying year and we went through a year of literally the devil was trying to kill her and kill me too. Um, but God got us through that, you know, like we would just... Pro- prophesy over her life and read scripture and and she, just, she had a hard time this was when she was in third grade and just had I don't know what happened but the enemy was battling for her soul and her life and so we were fighting so hard for her and with her and just teaching her how to do that and um, she went through um, a couple of years of you know kids when they go to public school they're trying to live their faith out and other kids don't understand, and they're they're trying to do the right things, and it just becomes it. Can, you become weary, and so when she was in sixth grade, she encountered some bullies and people bothering her, and you know the mom of Vera wants to step in, but God set, kept saying, "I'll vindicate." I'll vindicate you. You pray for her. You you know if something needs to be addressed, you email the teacher and let them know what's going on. But you you let me take care of it, and you'll see me blow. Like she'll get she'll get favor. She already had favor, and at the end of her sixth grade year. Well, she had trouble with this one girl who was, you know, you have to look at what people might be going through, and that's what I used to tell my kids, like, they don't have a good home life, like, look what what you're coming out of, you're blessed, and that girl, she doesn't have, like, her dad's not there, her mom works all the time, she doesn't have the things, the care that she needs, and, you know, just not... She just is not getting what she needs, so she's angry, you know. And when people see people that are blessed and you're angry, you don't want them blessed, you want them angry with you. And so she would go to school and this girl would like throw Morgan's books on the ground and be like, pick them up. And Morgan would she was very tenderhearted and she would, and she would just sit there and and um you know, just a lot of terrible bullying. And it took a lot of strength as a mom to just pray her through that and get her through. And uh, I just kept saying, honey, just be Christ. I know it sounds cliche, just be Christ, just be Christ, you know. And um, so at the end of sixth grade, we were at the awards ceremony where people get awards for their um, academics and blah, blah, blah. And Morgan wasn't at the top of her class, but she wasn't dumb. Um, So... (laughs) We worked hard. <laughs> um, so we're we're here at the we're here at the ceremony, you know, and you're sitting there proud parent, When's my daughter gonna get an award? And she wasn't getting any awards and she would look at me and I'm like you're like, you're still awesome, I love you, and whatever, we worked hard for those bees, (laughs) like, whatever, and so at the very end, they do this award, and it's called the Child of Character Award, and all the teachers have to vote and nominate, or you have teachers that nominate kids, and at the end, everybody has to vote, they have a, like, closed session, who do you think we should pick, like, this is, like, the highest honor, you know, and so, you know, we're sitting there, and the, the teacher or the principal. Somebody gets up and says, now we're at the part of the the most important part of the ceremony. We're going to announce who our child of character is. Well, they go through this dissertation before they call out the person. So they're like, this person, and I can't remember everything that was said, blah, blah, blah. One of the things that stuck out to me was they said, we knew it was a girl because then they went to this young lady has been unaffected by the environment around her and is constantly put on a, you know, like she's con- always positive, always has a positive word for her peers, always t- appreciates her teachers. Um, she always is dependable. She's dependable. But the thing that, that, that marks her, that's what they, the thing that marks her is that she's unaffected by the world, like stuff going on in, in, around her. And so they're going, I was like, man, this girl, wow, I wonder who that is. Like, you know, I had no scope for it. I was like, man, that's awesome that, to not be affected by what's going on in school. This is, just... And they said, this award goes to Morgan White. I was like, huh? And she jumps up and she looks at me. I was like, huh? And she's like, and I I'm, I'm probably yelled. I think I did. Went, woo, that's my baby, yeah, you know. And so um, she goes and gets the award. And the girl that was bullying her, and I knew all these kids because I taught in the school system, and the girl that had bullied her, at the end of that ceremony, I saw her go up and like Pat Morgan, and she whispered in her ear. And so when Morgan came to me, I said, what did she say? And she she said, she told me you deserve it. And I was like, wow, if that's not, I mean, God is so good. Like, if we just let him, right, we let him take care of it. But I'm here, I just, I want you to be encouraged today um, for people who, you know, you might be in a dark place right now. Know who your anchor is. Know who the stronghold is, and that's Jesus. Know who, um, he's your shepherd, he's your guide. Um, He's in a place that he is building within you, a strength and a trust, a resilience that will not be stolen. So when the enemy comes to you and tells you Things, tells you lies. You can tell him you belong under my feet. You don't belong in my ear. You belong under my feet, right? Right. We gotta remember. We can't live in the natural. You know the coronavirus. You know we got all, everybody. You know. Oh, we got the We got to be careful, honey. Psalm ninety one says, "No sickness and disease will come into this dwelling. This dwelling right here. I'm protected by the Most High. He is the Most High." Most high. He's above it all. You know, when we hear of uh, wars breaking out or we hear, look, God is winning the Muslims to Christ. Jesus is showing up to them in their dreams. And Sean Foyt, one of the greatest guys, I just think he's amazing. If you've never heard of him, Sean Foyt, look him up. He's running for Congress in California. He's a major believer in the Lord and just a worshiper on fire for God. When he goes to Um, when he goes to minister into these um, Muslim countries, he was going along in the the refugee camps, and he was ministering the love of God and singing songs. He brings his family, and they minister. Well, some of the soldiers came and got him. One of the generals came to the camps because things were happening. He said, hey, I want you to come with me. And he's like, oh, man, I'm probably going to get shot or something or behead me or whatever. So he takes them, and he takes them right into the thick of battle, where there was this bat- fierce battle going on. And he says, get out your guitar, get out your guitar. And he had worshipers and other guys with him. He said, get out your guitars, get out your guitars. And so they, he said, sing, sing. So he just wanted them to sing. So they began to worship. And they're, like I said, they're in the middle of this battle. And Sean said that you could look across there was like this valley and you look, can look across and you could see the ISIS flag and the guys in black and with their guns and everything, they were firing. They began to worship. And he said, literally, we saw the people disappear and that flag go right down. Over the, They left. They left, literally turned and left the fight so that these guy, other guys could press in and start, you know, going forward and what they were to do. And, and so he says, you know, he said, it's the worship that wins the war. It's the worship that wins the war. I, I know that all too well. Um, we have to remind God of his word. We have to remind him of his promises. We, sa- we got to say, not on my watch, Satan. Not on my watch. You're not going to break in my home. You're not going to steal our joy. You're not going to take my health. You're not going to take my finances. Not on my watch. We've got to dig our heels in, and we got to ride this thing out. Um, uh, we have to... Uh, just build up ourself in the faith. And I just want to prophesy that a fire is going to rise up with inside of you, a new boldness, a new faith, a new fire inside of you so that when you meet people, like God's literally going to tell you, show you people to speak to. He's literally going to give you strategies and answers to the things that you're dealing with within your home, whether it's relationship, whether it's finances. There's going to be a whole new kingdom realm opened up to you. And I just want to prophesy that into your life. We have to have enough of the enemy destroying what's happening. We're not going to take it anymore at all. Um, Amos 9 says, I will plant them and they will no longer be uprooted. The Lord is going to make an establishing in the land of your promise. You will begin to navigate the land of fullness rather than to contend uh, the place of contending where little fruit is being shown you're going to be in a land of abundance and you're going to you're going to see great manifestations he's going to teach you how to steward your time and you're going to put your hand to something and you're going to see rapid increase it's already happening in my life god showed me that for 2020 it's already happening in my life this is just march and god's already given me so many visions and things that he that he has for our life and um you know the enemy is so hard after our destiny he doesn't want us to fulfill that because he knows it's building God's kingdom. And one of the visions God shared with me or God showed me while I was preparing, um, you know, the Hebrew year 5780 is what we're in, and the, the 80 means mouth. So this is a decade of, degre- dec- decade of decree. You're going to see what you release. Be careful with your words, whether good or bad. You're going to see manifest what you decree. If you say, oh, my mom had this. I guess it's destiny. Okay, there you go. If you say, no, Jesus broke the curse. He went to the cross for the curse. I don't have to live in generational curses. He's broken that, right? Oh, I'm always, I'm never going to have enough money. No, watch what you say. This is the decade of decree, so you're going to get what you ask for. Job 22:28 28 says, you will also decide and decree a thing, and it will be established, no matter what it is. And the word thing there in the Hebrew means the promise of God. The thing is not just a thing, like, oh, I'm going to decree that new car over there. No. Oh, I'm going to decree for that godly husband that God has planned for me. The thing that they're talking about in Job is God's promise, God's promises of love, joy, peace, patience. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, righteousness, peace, and joy. If you don't have those three things operating in your life, You need to say, am I operating in the kingdom of God? Love, joy, peace, righteousness, kingdom of God. So what are you saying? What am I saying? Pay attention to your words. What you speak will be manifested in the area of your faith. And the name of Jesus, just saying the name of Jesus will manifest miracles. We don't have to go into these intricate prayers. Jesus, just like we sang today, the name of Jesus. Um. Real quick, a vision of destiny that God showed me for many of you guys. So you think you've you think you've lost it. You think you've made too many mistakes. Uh, you know, God knew you before the foundations of the earth. He knew your name before you were even going to be born. And he's written on scrolls the things that you're to do for the kingdom. And you might be thinking, man, I've blown it. I, I haven't really been doing what God's been asking me to do. I've made some mistakes in my life. And God's probably just written that off because I've come to, you know, I don't know where to go from here. Well, the enemy wants to erase that destiny, right? He's after it, and he doesn't want it to happen. But what God showed me in this vision is he showed me a scroll, and he showed me where there was eraser marks like God had written in pencil. God don't write in pencil. No. He writes in ink. It can't erase it but anyway in the vision he shows me where a destiny was erased and somebody was like man my destiny I mean I felt like that so many times you know like man I blew it like you know but what God showed me about that scroll was you know how when you write on paper I do it all the time because I'm writing in school you know how when you write on paper it leaves a like if you were to write and then pick a paper up and you see where it, where you had written. So I saw this scroll, and on the scroll, a destiny had been written, and there were smudges like it had been erased. And God walks up, and He's like, "Good one, Satan, but let me show you something." And He takes the blood of Jesus, and He pours the blood of Jesus over this scroll. And all the indentations where God had written your destiny unveil as the blood runs down the paper. And the blood of Jesus redeems your destiny. The blood of Jesus fills in where the enemy tried to erase because the the blood covers it all. And it's the blood of Jesus that makes us whole. And I want to decree and declare over you today in the area of faith. I decree to you that you are going to receive an assured faith that provides you the proof of the things that you are hoping for and praying about. Through the eye of faith, I declare that you are able to see the things that you cannot see with your natural eye. I break off the power of unbelief, doubt, fear, and faithlessness in the name of Jesus I speak to every opposing circumstance that were tried to dissuade your confidence that what you are praying for shall not manifest. I say that your faith is unshakable and unmovable and becomes your proof of the facts. I prophesy that you know beyond any shadow of a doubt that the Lord has heard your prayer. Heaven is moving and miracles are in motion. I say that your faith shall be assured and you shall be not be anxious for anything, but you shall rest in the fact that your requests are being heard in the throne room of grace. I prophesy an assurance of faith to rest and remain upon you today. Let's we'll stand and give Him worship and praise today. If you are if you are battling if you are battling at this time and, and um, you need prayer, uh, you want me to pray, you want us to pray, we've got prayer warriors in here that will pray for you. If you need a new infusion, oh gosh, I just saw that. If you need a good uh, another infusion of power and faith, if you need a healing over your body, I just want to invite you to come up. Or if you just want to come up to worship, you can do that too. And um, so praise the Lord. Thank you so much for tuning into today's podcast. As always, you can check out our website at limitless.faith to see all the ways that you can stay connected with our church. We'll see you next time.